The Recovery First podcast is a podcast that helps highlight local initiatives in Greenville, South Carolina, and as well as on a national stage in the recovery communities. Here you will hear a wider range of topics surrounding addiction, recovery, and amazing advocates helping to make a difference in the recovery space. If you or a loved one are struggling with substance use disorder, please contact us today by calling 864-787-3798 or by visiting www.freedomrecoverycenterofgreenville.org. Now let's get ready to hear another amazing podcast with your host, Mike Todd. All right, Recovery Share. This is Mike Todd with Recovery First Podcast. Uh, Again, sitting in my kitchen, I can hear the symphony outside. And um, the symphony being the crickets. We've got a lot of crickets here lately. Uh, It's also been really hot in Greenville, South Carolina, let me tell you. It is definitely the dog days of August. Um, I've lived in South Carolina all my life and I still can't get, I still can't get used to it. I don't think I'll ever get used to it. So I wanted to talk today a lot about addiction for me and substance use disorder. And this disease for me has been about uh, disconnection and connection, however you want to look at that. And, and I've, I've heard some people saying the other day that that's not really it or whatever. Well, you know, for me, I've identified a lot in where I got disconnected. And I was thinking this morning, again, I'm kind of writing and I'm doing some things. And every time I start putting pen to paper, you know, I start things kind of start coming up. And I was thinking about where did the disconnection happen for me? Um, where did where did where did that fracture in life come from? And I don't think I don't want to use this as an excuse, but um, it definitely played a part in me having the disease of substance use disorder. And for me, I grew up in the South, so I, I can't change your name. OK, but I had a grandmother. Her name was Dixie Lee. And um I'm going to tell you something. I thought she was the greatest thing since sliced bread, Coca-Cola, um, you name it. She was uh, she was definitely my favorite person in life. I had a very at home. Home was very, very tumultuous. Um, there was a lot of trauma at home. Both of my parents um, suffered from mental illness and substance use disorder. So I spent a lot of time with her and she took me to church. Um, she taught me about spirituality. She taught me about God. Not she, she didn't preach at me. She taught me in her actions. She taught me, um, in, in just the way that she reacted to, to situations, the way that she reacted to people. She taught me through her love that she shared. And, and she definitely, definitely had a heart for people. Um, she would grow my favorite, um, vegetables uh, or whatever. She grew uh, uh, strawberries for me, watermelons, things like that. And she would ask me, what's your favorite thing? And she would she would grow it with love. And she would go out and 
and pick that stuff and, and bring it back to me. And, and, and she was just an amazing, amazing woman. Well, at 11 years old, um, I, I lost her at 11 years old. Now, simultaneously, I also had an older cousin. Uh, my name is Mike Todd, and his name was Todd. And he also died uh, after my grandmother died. And Todd was also, for a, uh, a kid his age, was a very spiritual kid. He really was. He read his Bible. He talked about God. If the church was open, he was there. Um, and so I had these bedrocks in my life. And unfortunately, both of them passed away in a matter of, I think it was nine months. And I was 11 years old. And so um, that at 11 years old, when you lose two of the most influential, encouraging, wonderful people in your life. Um, and it was also around that time that my dad went to prison for the first time um, for, uh, for some political stuff. So uh, lose my grandmother, lose my best friend, older cousin, so to speak, uh, and my dad goes to prison. That's a lot to... That's a lot to digest. That's a lot to deal with as a kid. And so uh, it was around that time um, that I got, you know, into um, uh, the liquor cabinet. And I started acting out and I started hanging around, I guess you could say, the wrong people. And um, I started to kind of find this sort of find a solution and substances. So by the time I'm 15, 16 years old, I'm, I'm hiding liquor in my closet. Um, you know, fast track, uh, and, you know, 30 years in recovery now and, and, um, fast tracking a little bit. And, um, I, I have in my recovery, I think what recovery has done for me one, it, is, it has given me a spiritual path. I have found the God of my understanding. Um, I have found a loving, caring God, and it was the people in my recovery that, that helped me do that, that helped me take that fractured person, that 25-year-old kid, and start to kind of put me together again. Um, I found at times... My Todd, uh, my cousin that was uh, that influenced me so much. I've found him in, in, in a lot of the men in the program that have taught me about God and taught me how to how to treat other people, specifically taught me how to treat uh, women. Um, and uh, because I was very young when I came in here and there have been a lot of influential older women. Um that walk with me along this way. And so what I'm saying is what recovery did for me was filled that void from back when I was 11 years old and I lost those, those people. Um, and I'll say this, even my grand, my grandfather died in that period. I forgot about that, but he did a lot for a kid to deal with. And, um, 
so I so I find it in I find the, those voids uh, from those people in in Glen or or Cindy or or uh, Tammy or um, these older wiser folks that can walk with me and and help me make better decisions and that I can listen to in meetings and get wisdom from or just listen in general or bounce things off of. And, you know, I have those people in my life uh, today. Uh, and that's, that's what it's about. You know, uh, almost every step begins with we or, and, and so now I have the we and the we helped I kind of feel that God hole in me. You know, like the thing that only God could feel, but people helped me do that. Just like the people in my in the younger part of my life uh, helped me do. So I wanted to share that. Look for um we can't do this alone. That's that's the thing. Um Get those people. If you feel like you have a void, find those people and ask them for help. That's what I did. I asked them for help. And I still continue to ask them for help. And find those people. Find your we. And uh, anyway, just thought I'd share that this morning. Again, I don't like... Uh, I don't like think about these. It just kind of pops up. I was, and, and again, this morning, I, for some reason, I was thinking about where did that void come from? Where, what, what happened? What happened? Um, that made me, what was, what was the pain in my life? And that was, that was just part of it. What was the pain in my life that made me want to turn to substances, you know, to get, to, to like feel better? Right. And um, what a painful thing for a kid to go through. I'm sure people go through worse. We all go through a lot. Right. Life is hard. And, and, um, you know, but I'm doing it today without without substances, without mind and mood altering substances. And I'm doing it with the help. Of some really, really, really special people. So anyway, hope everybody has a, a, a great day. And tune in, 7.05, Thursdays. Um, we, like, interview folks that are, like, um, doing these wonderful things in the community and, and in regards to recovery, in re- regards to harm reduction, just involved with community outreach. We talk to them. They're special, fantastic, wonderful people, and we want to showcase them on Recovery First Podcast. I hope everybody has a good day. Thanks a lot. So 30 years ago, when I first came into recovery, we didn't have recovery housing. If someone was seeking recovery and maybe coming to meetings and didn't have anywhere to live, we'd basically try to help them find somewhere to live. And and that's how it all started. we all started basically living together and keeping each other accountable um, in recovery. Now as the years have gone through, 
um, it's basically turned into an industry. And with that industry, there comes a lot of challenges. Um, there's a, quite a bit of exploitation. Um, you know, you're dealing with a very, very vulnerable population. So that's the reason that we started the South Carolina Recovery Housing Association to help providers, to help other recovery housing operators, to help mentor them, um, to help to advocate for them. And one of the things that we did right off the bat was we started getting the locks on into all recovery housing in South Carolina. We were very fortunate to get a grant from the Clinton Foundation and some help from the Recovery Advocacy Project and Challenges Inc. and Favor Greenville. And, you know, all of them combined have helped the South Carolina Recovery Housing Association to begin getting the locks on into all recovery housing in South Carolina and to help train their residents on the use of naloxone. We believe that is the first standard uh, that we need to accomplish in South Carolina. Recovery housing operators are a very valuable resource to those suffering from substance use disorder in South Carolina and we want to advocate for them, train them, mentor, and just work with them with whatever needs that they may have. If you want to get in touch with us, it's screcoveryhousing.org.